This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. The world doesn't need another sports show. It needs an awesome sports show. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning. Welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. Uh, Welcome to us this morning. If you forgot to change your clocks, it is, what time is it, Naz? It's 9.05 a.m. 9.05 Eastern Standard Time. So if you've changed your, if you woke up, make sure you turn your clocks back one hour. And uh, in studio with us this morning, uh, Butch Carter. Welcome back, Butch. It's always great to have you with us. Thanks for having me. I'm sorry I couldn't get in here earlier for you guys, but I've been busy, but thanks for having me. That that just means you've got more pent-up energy for us this morning. You've got, (laughs) I'm sure you've got... (laughs) A few things maybe uh, you, you've been building up that you want to get off on the airwaves. We'll certainly get into that. Uh, we've got a few topics to discuss this morning, of course. Uh, uh, Naz, you and I were at the Leafs game last night. We want to talk about that. The interesting matters in Blue Jay land this week. Uh, the, uh, the departure of Alex Anthopoulos. We certainly want to talk about that, and we want to talk to you about that, Butch. And, of course, uh, we've got Butch Carter in studio, and that means basketball season is on the go, and we certainly want to talk about the Raptors with Butch and also what you're doing with your new Canadian Basketball League. But uh, without further ado, Naz, you and I had the, uh, I don't know what the proper terminology is, but the misfortune or uh, we were at the Leafs game last night, and I was also at the Leafs game Monday night. And um, what's going on? We won one one victory, one victory in the whole month of October, uh, deathly dull game last night. I mean, with all with the greatest respect for the Toronto Maple Leafs, I mean, it was it was a snorefest, and the uh, Leafs didn't produce anything last night. And Babcock, after the game, was pointing the finger at himself, but uh, I'm not so sure he's the problem. Well, they didn't look very good last night, and either did the Penguins. Uh, I, I Sidney Crosby looked awful last night. Well, I mean, just take a look at him as a player. What's going on with him? There must be something wrong with Sydney too. But um, the Leafs gave up a guy like Kessel, right? And they, he was the guy that ignited that offense. And they replaced him with absolutely nothing to show for it. And you can't have a team that has no scoring. And they have no scoring. Butch, I know that uh, you, you're, a bit, you're a big basketball guy, but you're a student of all sports. And you follow, you follow the Leafs and you follow all the other teams in town. Uh, you've been watching the Leafs for a month. Uh, what's going on? Well, they're going backward. They're, what they have to do is create a window of opportunity by acquiring more talent. Their talent level right now is basically zero. And what's going on is that um, uh, Mike is an excellent coach, but he has to uh, stay the course and be encouraging, get his corrections done. But he he needs to let everyone see how bad they are and. So even as close as he and Shannon Han have been, and he knows Lou, um, it's to me it's self-evident that a good coach will put the talent out there. Um, 
put the team out there because they're not talented and uh, let it be self-evident that, you know, you got to go backwards to go forward. It's just the nature of the business. For a good coach and a, a good uh, staff upstairs, you, you have to go backwards. This is the painful part of going backwards. They do not uh, have the talent. Uh, they never should have acquired uh, Kessel. Uh, I would have acquired him if I was Pittsburgh. You don't take team, uh, players off losing teams uh, and then think they're going to help you get over the hump. If you look at the statistics around that, uh, historically it has never worked as that player being a, thinking you're gonna, that player is going to be a prime part of your core. Uh, the systemic issues around Kessel, his laziness, um, lack of, uh, of uh, the discipline and diet uh, aren't going to be overcome. Uh, and they and they haven't. Can I ask you about that? And I, sorry to interrupt, Butch. Uh, the concept of you know he's had bad habits in the past. Okay, and and we, we interviewed actually Nazem Kadri a couple of weeks ago, and we talked to him about maturity and, and and developing a level of professionalism and a level of consistency and becoming a professional athlete. Uh, can athletes change? Yeah. It's, it's it's you know like Kessel. <coughs> okay, he's got a history. Can can he change? Can he become a true professional at some point? Can a professional athlete change? As a theory, any professional athlete could change. But his talent and to compete against the best teams, if you said, you know, what's our goal? If the management says our goal is to be playing the Stanley Cup Finals, then you've got to benchmark your players against the historical players that have played in the Stanley Cup Finals. I don't think there's you're going to find many players like Kessel. I don't think you're going to find many players like Kadri. The little time I've been around Kadri or seen him out socially, I think he's extremely immature. Uh, you have to be a man to play in the Toronto market. You have to be uh, physically talented, and it's very hard to acquire talent in the National Hockey League. And you're not talking about basketball where you need seven guys. You need 20 guys. You need three three solid shifts, and we prefer to have four to get through with the injury issues. We're going through this, and you know, when Babcock was uh, was hired, he said we're going to have to we're going to have to absorb some pain, and obviously we're absorbing pain. That was very painful last night. Well, for sure. you know, I, I you know, I don't know. It was very painful because, in you know, I mentioned it. We we talked about it last night, Naz. Um, I think a lot of fans are tuning out. I've never seen such a lack of passion for hockey in this city in my lifetime. Um, and I, I can't wait to see the TV ratings, but I suspect um, they're, they're turning, you know, they they're basically have sent the message out, Butch, and correct me if I'm wrong, and maybe there's no other solution. But they've sent the message out that, you know, we're, we're, we're going to generate a loser for two, minimum two, three years. Yes, they, they've sent that message, and they're accurate, and that's what they have to yeah, do. Yeah, and as a fan, why would I want to watch this? For Maybe I'm going to tune out for three years. Or, so the value— You know, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean somebody offered me—I mean, let's call a spade mm-hmm. a spade. Somebody offered me a pair of gold tickets yeah. for a Montreal game and a Detroit game. And they said they were giving them to me at face value. I said, yeah, sure, I'll go see Montreal. Then I saw a picture of the tickets. These were golds, like about 20 rows up. They were $446 a ticket Yes. under their new dynamic pricing model. Yes. And I'm saying, do I want to pay 1000 bucks for a pair to watch this for the next two years? 
I don't know. I don't, but I'm sure there, maybe there's a lot of people that do. Do you well, think they're doing the right thing with the uh, young guys being down in the minors? Because there's four guys off that Marley team that could play in the NHL right now. They need to leave them right there. Okay. See, here's the mistake that people make. When you send a kid down to minors, you want him so pissed off when he leaves the minors that he's never coming back. And this whole false sense of, uh, you know, come up, come up and play with the big guys, all right, and get your behind kicked. And specifically for me, you don't take young players and put them in practice with grown men and let the grown men beat the snot out of them every day. You let them grow up. You need to let their bodies naturally harden. You don't try to overextend them by saying, well, you know, you need to put on 30 pounds because it'll kill their dynamics. So, you know, I'm passionate about uh, a minor league system where they earn their way out of it. And, yeah, you know, they're they're playing – over at Rico, and they can watch TV and watch the big guys play. But the reality is that until they're physically mature enough that you can get them through practice without the the older guys beating the snot out of them, you need to leave them right there. And when that young guy gets his gets his ticket, that message from coach that you know you're called up, he should be so honorary that he's deciding to stay. And they don't have the physical physicality that it requires for them to stay. All right, they've decided to go backwards. When you go backwards, you build. The mistake that would happen is if they have a minor league coach that is not teaching. So now whenever they're sent up, Babcock's got a bigger problem because the kid has no idea what he's supposed to do when he's, when he's in, the, in the show. So in basketball terms, how does it work? Are the draft picks shouldn't be playing right away to also? Well, first rounders? Think about it. I mean, my philosophy is based off of I had extremely talented high school, and so young 14-, 15-year-old kids that could play. But what I learned is that they couldn't get through practice with my 18-, 19-year-old seniors. So just from my experience, that's what led me to why I was so good when I was given young guys. You know, Tracy McGrady was not fond of me for not playing him or starting him when he was so young. But Tracy was protected. And it wasn't until we got halfway through the system that his, not him and, and his support group came to me and said, okay, we understand now what you're doing. And Tracy's made, I imagine, $200 million just from basketball off of not starting him, you know, and bringing him along the right way, making sure he had a, he, he practiced an hour before everyone else. And then he, I would pick and choose when he was going in because I couldn't have my older guys beating, beating up on him every day. So my experience on taking young guys and putting them through the system is, yes, they're talented, but the physicality that's required when you play 82 games, but not they can play in the games because you got guys that blow the whistle. But you got nobody blowing the whistle in practice. So guys get extra shots at them, and you've got guys who know that if they don't keep their spot, you know, they may not be – you know, in hockey. So you got a bad team. Keep the kids down south. Your error could be if you have a coach or a coaching staff, you know, at your lower level that is not doing truly the teaching that needs to get done. Uh, we're talking, of course, to Butch Carter. Uh, uh, Butch, the other big story, uh, or the uh, the big story in Toronto this week was, of course, the uh, the failure of the Blue Jays to re-sign Alex Anthopoulos. And, uh it caught some people by surprise and some other people it didn't catch by surprise. Um, you certainly have uh, uh, some experience in, in management relations and uh, management dynamics and inter- internal corporate uh, goings-on. 
In your estimation, Butch, what happened here? Why, is, why isn't Alex coming back? Well, you have the same scenario. You've got a corporate owner that knows little or nothing about sports. So they they go to, you know, they go in and say to Major League Baseball, you know, dear King, help me find someone. And so Major League Baseball gives them a name of two or three guys that they go and touch. All the guys they talk to had experience in player development and player decisions. So it was decided a long time ago that they were going to shoot both Beeston and Alex, all right? The golden carpet comes along. Alex pulls the trigger on deals that he had set himself up for because basically what Alex was doing was slotting his players salary-wise, knowing that that slot was only occupied by, example, Tulowitzki. So he knew he had a $20 million contract. He could trade for a $20 million contract. It was just a matter of could he exhaust Colorado and do the deal, which he, which he did. He did, yeah. Right? Then the team gets hot, and it's a magic carpet ride for everyone in Canada. But the decision had been made prior, a long time ago, that, that both guys were gone. <clears throat> and people understand that we wouldn't have had that ride if Alex hadn't uh, pulled the trigger. And, and he basically waited his time out. He slotted guys in, knowing that the slot that he was taking was for another slot for a better player. And at the end, he was able to get Price to Lewitsky. And I don't know how he got the left fielder from Philly, but, you know, he got did. He, he yeah, did he got him, yeah. Right? And then he was able to hit Gibby over the head and said, put him in leadoff. <laughs> right? So it it, it kind of it all got worked out very well. Um, when did it, Alex it, decide to leave? What, what I mean, I, mean, I, don't, I, I agree I, with you that, that the, the corporate guys at, at Rogers – made a decision a long time ago when they axed, when they, uh, I don't like to use the word axed with, with Paul Beeston because we, we, uh, we have a tremendous amount of respect for Paul Beeston and we've had him on the show twice. Uh, when they desire, decided not to bring Paul Beeston back, uh, was, that the, was that what set this whole thing in motion for, for Alex Anthopoulos and in his mindset that I'm, the way they've treated my mentor, Paul Beeston, um, I don't want any part of this in the future? Well, no, I think that Alex... You know, Alex played it right. He kept his mouth shut during the whole time during the run. And then he quietly, you know, in a very short period said, you know, it's not what's good for me. <clears throat> I think he's the luckiest guy in the world because he's actually at the pinnacle. He's shown he's shown Major League Baseball, all right, outside of Canada, that he actually can do the job. And he did it within a restricted budget. Uh, when you have the uh, deflation of the Canadian dollar versus the U.S. dollar, he doesn't have the budget that the U.S. teams have. And uh, now he's not tied into a contract in which what they would have done was sign him to the contract, fired him, and then spread all kind of rumors on, you know, he was being insubordinate of Shapiro and everything else. Uh, what he did was the right thing, and he is the luckiest man in the world. He's a young man. Um, he will be better as a general manager in another atmosphere. Uh, they'll give him better tools. Um, he did build up. The farm system, so that when it was time to pull the trigger, he had the horses to to make those trades to pull the trigger. So uh, Shapiro is going to, it's typical, he's going to come in and, you know, lay out some speech. But uh, the owners can change, but what we have to realize is that the owners have no experience in sports. And so most of the time they're making those decisions, they're very inexperienced and and will make a bad decision. Many people look at uh, Alex's situation similar to yours. How, do you think they are similar? Um, I said Alex is lucky. 
from the standpoint, uh, he was able to get out and before they were able to badmouth him and have a chance to go work somewhere else. Um, I took, I was the first guy in the history of the NBA to take a guy from less than 20 wins to the playoffs in two years. In 54 years prior, no one else had done it. Um, and I haven't worked in 15 years. So I think that Alex is so far ahead of it. We've, because you have to say what's trending with uh, management in Toronto. Uh, a lot of guys, um, hockey, basketball, have been here and worked. And as soon as they want to get rid of them, there's a whole propaganda pitch on what everything that was bad with them. I think that's improper. I think it's totally improper. Um, you don't have to kill people's career. And Alex, um, he's the luckiest guy in the world because now he has 29 other teams. If something goes wrong, he is qualified to get the interview. And he has earned that. And if he would have signed that contract, he would not have that opportunity I'm pretty sure, and I think most people are too. Did this just get the bottom line, Butch? Did, was this just a personality clash between Alex and uh, Mark Shapiro? No, it's it's the issue is Mark was hired and he asked for certain things. He's been twice executive of the year, so in his interview, he he said, "I can deliver this, uh, but I need the ability to do what I want to do." And again, you have uh, an owner that's never hired anyone before, and they said yes. And thinking that, you know, the thing was going to pitter out like it did, you know, the pri- the year before. Well, it didn't, right? Then all of a sudden, everything everything that you want from a general manager happens. Team's playing well. TV ratings are through the roof. Everybody in the country is buying Blue Jays gear. And you've already went down this other path where you gave your word to someone else and bound it in a contract. And so there was just no room in the executive suite for Alex. Yeah, Rogers, uh, I don't think, expected that turnaround for sure when they hired Shapiro. Yeah, I think the team, I, I was worried about the team because Tulowitzki struggled so poorly from the plate. Um, but they, they went on such winning streaks, uh, and they were, they were dominant. And, and Dickey, Dickey won some games that he normally did, wouldn't, we wouldn't think he would win, right? Um, again, I compare the Dickey acquisition to trading Kessel. You know, you're you're on a slippery slope when you acquire a guy who accumulates statistics on a losing team, because the proper way to evaluate professional sports from an analytical standpoint is that there is a break-even point on number of games won and lost every year, and so there are going to be guys on losing teams that accumulate monster stats, but they don't carry over when you try to put them on the winning side of the break-even point. Anyways, we're uh, we're talking to Butch Carter, uh, of course, former Raptors coach, and. Uh, Working hard on developing a new basketball league in Canada. And when we come back from our break, uh, Butch will be talking about the Canadian Basketball League. We'll be back shortly. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville asked me to introduce their new fast dial number just for cell phones by singing it. Pound 3636. No. Pound 3636. No. Come on, baby. Pound 3636. Let's go ring to it. Call Pizzaville on your cell phone at pound 3636. There's an old saying entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them every day. They've earned their trust. 
They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge, the best. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Settler for Alt Infinity and Vaughn. Car buying made simple. That's what Alt Infinity is all about. No stress, no hassle, no nonsense. Just fun and easy and rewarding experience that will put you behind the wheel of a fabulous new or used Infinity. Expert sales staff, superior service, and the largest selection in Ontario. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's what makes Alt Infinity the captain's choice. Alt Infinity, Woodbridge.com, at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Striving to inspire you at every turn. With a little training, anyone can learn the security business while on duty at your home or company. It's unfortunate, but a lot of security companies are just not experienced enough to handle the complex dynamics of tactical security. And that little bit of training and experience can end up costing you a lot more than you bargained for. Peace of mind, trust, and honor is the foundation on which the Regal Security reputation is built. They're driven, they're respected, and they're unrivaled. They're everyday superheroes. Visit them online at regalsecurity.ca and find out how much they know, not how much they can learn. The only thing I love more than sports is sports radio. Take it away, boys. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. Once again, a friendly reminder to turn back your clocks. We're once again on Eastern Standard Time. And in studio this morning, of course, is former Raptors coach uh, Butch Carter. Butch, uh, you've been a friend of our show and thanks so much for coming and joining us this morning. And we want to take a little bit of a different turn here. Uh, The sport that's near and dear to your heart is basketball. I know you've been busy. developing and working on your uh, your new basketball league, the Canadian Basketball League. Give us an update uh, what's going on. Well, we announced a couple weeks ago the uh, uh, first franchise in, in uh, Kitchener-Waterloo area. And uh, I believe in the next 10 days, we'll, we'll, uh, I know for a fact because uh, I signed the franchise agreement for another team uh, Thursday night, and that'll be announced uh, sometime this coming week. And I expect shortly thereafter that there'll be the third franchise will now be announced. I have spent a bunch of time with them the last couple of days, and um, there are a couple issues we wanted to clean up on the document. So um, three out of four are in the bag, and so I think I'll be in Ottawa. I'm waiting for a phone call for them to tell me when, when I need to, for the people I need to meet there and complete Ottawa. Ottawa's been the, the toughest logistically. Uh, I normally have a loop of 
Tuesday in Kitchener-Waterloo, Tuesday night in Hamilton, Wednesday in Scarborough. Um, but uh, the plan is to have four teams to start playing in December, early December. We did run in uh, Snapped, uh, the new Snap newspaper. We did do an agreement with them for a family pass because we wanted to be the most affordable basketball in the GTA area uh, from a professional standpoint. I think that was extremely important. So we did a $60 uh, family pass, two adults, two kids, and then for $10, any additional kids is just $10. And that's only available through Snap Ticks. So uh, uh, we will be launching full website uh, right around the November 10th, um, cblticketscom uh, had a nice uh, meeting on Wednesday, uh, potentially for a uh, uh, a new TV partnership. So uh, that that went very well. Uh, we like we like it because it will allow us to. We have a conflict in our biggest market with uh, some of the games being played on the same night as the OHL team, and we want to get away from that conflict. And uh, the new t- potential uh, uh, broadcast partner uh, will allow us to do that and play in prime time. Uh, which is something special with a nice lead in of a couple hundred thousand people. So you're uh, you're envisioning targeting December, uh, in, which is which is a month, yes. a month from now. Give us a little idea. Give our listeners an idea what uh, what they can expect expect in terms of entertainment value, the type of players you're going to have, and uh, the venues and your your whole your whole strategy, what you're trying to develop basketball wise in well, Ontario. Let's go the ven- the venues. Uh, um, Pan Am Center. Uh, we're very lucky that that facility was built by uh, the Pan Am people, and uh, the Scarborough team would play out of there. It's got uh, right around fourteen hundred seats and five hundred standing room. Um, outstanding, one of the, one of the great facilities in Canada. Um, most people haven't been there. You need you know you need to stick your head in there off Morningside and and look at that facility, uh, aquatic and basketball facility. Outstanding, outstanding facility. The Waterloo Rec Center uh, will play there. Then you avoid the conflict with the Rangers and and the odd. Uh, it works better, and we can play the games on weekends. Uh, of the fifty six games, fifty four of the season, fifty four of them are on the weekends. It was uh, the best way for us to launch and try to max out family entertainment. Uh, we played ten minute quarters, so it's forty minutes total. So you'll be in and out in an hour and thirty five minutes. Our pricing is uh, uh, about twenty percent lower than the OHL. Uh, it would be cheaper than taking a family to the theater. So uh, players, uh, there are lots of players. We, we started the season in December so that we could let the natural fall out. The D-League did their draft yesterday, and so they'll go through their tryouts, and then they'll start cutting people. So we wanted to make sure that there were lots of players available that you wouldn't have to fight with the agent over, you know, him telling you some story about he's got 20 other opportunities. So the guy will be unemployed. Uh, I don't think the talent will – be as good as it will be the in year two. And the reason I say that is that I've not had a chance to go to the States and recruit talent. And when I have the time where I'm not putting together the teams and I can go to the States and talk to uh, the AU guys and the agents, I think the talent will go up. Uh, I think we'll see in combination with what we're doing that the NCAA will allow all 18-year-olds to declare themselves a pro uh, this summer. They've already changed the grade point from 2.0 to 2.3. Um, there are lots of players available, and it all goes to what I said before. 
the development. So the smaller we are, the more the better impact I can have on the coaches and that they're doing the right thing. It's not about you know, yelling and screaming and looking good on game day. With the games being played on a weekend, they've got five days of really – they can get in five days of really good practice. Young players not only need practice, but they need to be working on the right things. So – you know, that's, there's a lot to do still, and there's there's been a lot done. Anyways, we wish you the best of luck with that. And Thank we'll you. certainly have you back to talk about it uh, as the future holds. Great. Uh, Raptors are on the go. They're 2-0. and And uh, it's time to talk about them and what their prospects are for this year. A couple of changes in the offseason seem to have tried to shore up their fringes of their, of their, of their defense in terms of some of the prospects that we bring in. And they brought in, and, and but you've... You maintained, uh, you bring in your stats all the time, and uh, you've showed us in the past where the what the Raptors have lacked, and it was certainly on the defensive side because the, their defensive stats were atrocious last year. What do you foresee on the from the Raptors overall, and where do you, where do you foresee them having fixed that problem? Well, they're an extremely talented team uh, from the standpoint of they've got older guys in the first seven or eight that have played in playoff games and played on winning teams. So they went and acquired two guys off Atlanta and San Antonio that have been in a winning environment where they've won 50, 60 games. That's extremely important from the standpoint of setting the tone on what has to, on what has to get done. That was an issue prior because when fatigue set in with the current players, fatigue and injury, uh, there was a huge gash in their ability to win games. Um, the franchise has struggled to win games against winning teams the last six years. That's still their Achilles heel. I think that that goes directly that I believe their analytical model is incorrect. I believe the baseline in which they're making decisions on analytical models, starting from when Coangelo came in, was wrong. Um, I know a little bit about that, but you know, I basically believe that they will always struggle because they ha- there's a lack of individual improvement in the young players in which they have. Terrence Ross has gone from a first-round draft pick to a player that may not get an extension, which, you know, and I think they had to sign Valachunas for $60 million. That's cheap, but Valachunas has not developed. Maybe he's better this year, but he's he's still heavy. He still struggles to run between the free-throw lines, which I don't understand what is going on with a 23-, 24-year-old young guy that when he came in as a rookie could fly up and down the floor. So it's either something physically is wrong with him or that the weight they put on him detrimentally killed his ability to compete as an athlete, which goes to why they won't play him in the fourth quarter because of his inability to compete as an athlete. Yes, he's tall, but he does not get down in an athletic position and hasn't been trained to. So the lack of training I blame on the coaches who are with him every day. Uh Casey's done a heck of a job considering the fact that he's had, in my opinion, very little help on the assistant job because the assistant should, the head coach can walk you through this is what I need to get done with this player. He doesn't have time to look at the film, do all the player development, but the people they've surrounded Casey with, and he's changed it, I think, three times. He's had six or eight assistants have failed. The people that are, have come in, again, are out of the same, let's call it the same mixture, and I, I'm still concerned about where, are the, where are the assistants falling down? What are they, what are, what are they not doing that they should be doing? Well, here's well, let's. You have to improve the skill, right? If you if you 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 draft talent and then you improve the skill of the talent. So 
the fact that DeMar DeRozan can't dribble three dribbles with his left hand. So now when you get through the season and you get in the playoffs, all right, every NBA arena has the same 26 cameras upstairs. So you hand, hand the guy guarding DeMar and say, you know, here's what he is. But I'm watching an exhibition game they play in Vancouver, and J.J. Reddick stands on DeMar's right hand, knowing that he can't go left. So how does J.J. Reddick guard DeMar DeRozan? So it just goes to, at this point in DeMar's career, the smart teams, the teams that win, all right, know exactly how he's efficient, and they push him away from his efficiency. DeMar DeRozan, he's, they're not negotiating with him. Yeah. You, I kind of think he's on his way out after this year. Well, it won't be after this year. They'll have to trade him for the trade deadline. Okay. All right. So DeMar has the same agent as Damon Stoudemire. All right. The agent's already taken Damon out of the market. I've said this before. All right. It's a it's a pure. So what DeMar is doing right now is he's playing for, he, he's trying to play for $20 million or more than $20 million. Right. So he's going to, he's going to shoot a lot of balls. He's going to bring a lot of energy. He cannot afford not to be prepared to play every night. It doesn't mean the basketball is going to go in, but I still say the reality of DeMar's stats are what he's done against losing teams and what he's done against winning teams. There probably are two teams on the West Coast that would take him, Portland and the Lakers, depending on I actually think the Lakers are going to be bad. Jeannie Buss should blow that thing up. That means she's going to have to fire her brother and Mitch. But the world champion Los Angeles Lakers are no more. They're, you know, the, the issue is that they've not been able to accumulate talent. So, DeMar, that scenario, he's a California kid, um, but he's playing for a huge contract, huge opportunity. You can't wait to he says no on his option because then he's totally free. So, it's a it's more of a Chris Boss situation. Uh, Quangelo made the st- mistake and let Chris get away for free. Uh, I would think that Masai was on that staff when that happened, that he would try not to let let that happen. So, I think the team is experienced, and I liked what Casey did the first game. He got right to his core guys. He wanted to he wanted to go another direction, and then he said, "Shoot, I've been in this long enough. I need to win this game." And so he got his experienced guys that he had acquired. And uh, Carroll came back from being injured and came back on, put a sleeve on his elbow, and said, "You know." So he set a really good example that, hey, even though I hit the floor, I'm coming back and I'm going to play. So. Casey got right to business. Casey knows he needs to win games. He needs to win them now. They have a very tough schedule with road games. I normally don't like to evaluate teams until they play twenty games. Kind of, you know, it's kind of everybody's got the same mixture coming out of training camp, and then what kind of cake do they bake the first twenty games? But if they win the day, they're they're definitely headed in the right direction, and uh, he's they're better than what they were last year. But the issue for this team has always been what do you, what do you really do against the established winning teams? And I think also that the new NBA rules on playoffs where you rank based off of the number of games you win and not that you, you win the division. And that's a good thing because it puts more pressure on them, but they're at, they're at a point in their development that they should be able to withstand some more, more pressure. But we're talking to Butch Carter. Kyle Lowry had an outstanding uh, first half of the season last year and seemed to have run out a little bit of gas. And... Uh, he seems to have acquired a new body in the off season, or uh, he certainly seems to be in come into uh, come into the season in better shape. Uh, certainly, appearance wise, than did last year. What 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 can we expect from Kyle Lowry this year? So, you know, on training camp experience, my my uh, 
benchmark was Havlicek always said, you know, you go into camp underweight, and then as the season goes along, you can gain a little weight and get stronger. Um, and Kyle, for whatever reason, I think he's done. Kyle's issue is not f- physical. I think the issue for Kyle is mentally he betrays himself. You know, instead of being the leader, because what goes on is that the team, the front office, the coaches can do whatever they want. The players have to want to win a playoff game that is so personal that they really don't need the coach. Like the coach is there, he's done his work, you know, they've been working for you know, for eight, nine months, and the players decide, you know, we need to win this game. So it's always been an issue where every Kyle's been is just his mental pro- approach changes. And he's got a Jekyll and Hyde personality. So whatever he does physically, um, I don't worry about. I worry when I see Kyle miss shots. And then instead of going back on defense, he steps forward and fouls people. And it was that was very apropos during the playoffs that he took himself out of games. He, he removed himself from his own team by doing stuff that you taught in elementary school. Okay, you miss a shot, get back. You don't then step forward and try to steal the ball and foul the guy. So um, to to me, it's uh, his mental growth. Uh, I really don't care what he does number-wise. I think the, the reality at the end of the day is that if he becomes a problem, it's a problem that they, they've tried to fix by acquiring a backup point guard uh, with Corey. But the reality is that uh, he is best served when he feels good and plays well. And it's normally no gray area for Kyle. That's that's unfortunate that he hasn't transitioned to understand. You don't have to make shots to help the team win. Um, it's normally 100 or, or zero with Kyle. Bennett, Bennett and uh, Joseph, two Canadian kids. Your comments on how they can help the Raptors. Uh, Corey Joseph is a uh, very structured uh, senior citizen, I would say, for and he's a very appropriate acquisition for the team. Uh Gives a little surety in an 82-game schedule. Uh, let's say Kyle plays great for 62 games. Corey needs to play and pick up those other games and and help win. He can he he'll study steady settle things down for him. Uh, you can trust him. The issue for the kids is you know you're playing back home. Most of the time it doesn't work well when you're playing back home. Mm-hmm. Bennett needs a chance to play, um, and he needs a he needs better coaching. Uh, he is a huge talent. Uh, but no one has told him to max out possessions. So, and what I'm saying is, when you take a young player, that's why I'm ad- adamant that you keep him in the minor league system as possible. Because what I do, I learned you to train all your young players to be bench players. You don't send them into practice like you're going to get 30 possessions. You're going to get five possessions, and you need to earn my trust on the five. And then if you earn my trust, you get 10 possessions, and et cetera, et cetera. Because more than likely, that's where a lot of players are going to end up. So Bennett has been in a position where he never had to earn the possessions. So normally if you're earning possessions, it's what Terrence Ross is going through. Like the speed of the game is 99 miles an hour from sitting on the bench. So you can't be like everyone else. You have to know, okay, who am I guarding and is he hot? How many fouls are on the other team? How many fouls are on our team? So you can't be stuck on stupid. And if you're not trained to counter that, you are going to struggle big time. So I think Corey will be fine because Corey has been trained on minimal possessions from San Antonio. Uh, Sorry, Butch. Uh, We've got one more minute before we go to break, and I I just want to wrap up uh, your assessment of the Raptors in terms of where they fit in in the Eastern Eastern Division and um, 
with the improvements some of the other teams in the conference have made, where where you where where you slotting the Raptors this year? How high can they get and how low could they go? Well, the, the Raptors need to become a dominant team at home. If you look at the history of uh, the Toronto Raptors for their good teams, we've never had a team that dominated that lost five six games at home, you know, and and won just you know some ungodly number. And part of it is that building is not conducive to basketball with the suites being on the lower level and all the gray seats being empty coming back in the third quarter, right? So um, momentum is extremely important. As an example right now, Golden State's got momentum going. But more importantly, they've got the loudest arena to go play in when they go back home. So even if they stub their toe, their home crowd could help them, you know, win a game or two. And unfortunately – the locals may think that's the greatest ring in the world, but for basketball, it is not. And I don't think for hockey. I think the the sweet issue is a problem when you can't you come out on breaks between periods or between quarters, and the people that are supposed to support you aren't even in the seats. They're in the building, but they're not in the seats. So uh, it works well for for management because they're they're geared toward gross revenue per seat. It does not work well for the team. So I expect the Raptors. Um, to win in the neighborhood of last year, I thought they'd win 52 games and then DeMar got hurt. And then that, that pulled all the gas out of Kyle. So I hope they win 50 games, but they'll have to be better at home. And it's just, it's one of those things that is distinctive to this organization because of the way the building is set up, not as a basketball friendly or momentum friendly building for sports, it's sports teams has been very hard to be dominant just tremendously dominant at home. And the problem with not being dominant is you never get the benefit of the doubt from the officials. If you become an extremely dominant team and get momentum going, all right, and this is why I believe that there's they don't understand analytics. The analytic model that they are using is only 10 people, five offensive players, five defensive players. But a true analytical model would have 15 people, two coaches, three officials, 10 players. So... Without you acknowledging that your model is wrong, your results are eventually going to be wrong. Anyways, talking to Butch Carter. We'll be right back after the break. After the break, we'll be talking to Sean Clement, who's going to tell us how to get our golf game in gear during the wintertime. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville introduced their new fast dial number for cell phones. It's pound 3636, and you can dial it from anywhere. Want pizza at the park? Pound 3636. Wings by the water? Pound 3636. Ponzo combo at the cottage? Pound 3636. Salad at the... uh, Someone stop me. Call Pizzaville on your cell phone at pound 3636. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal, yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. 
If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics. On time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Settler for Alt Infinity and Vaughn. Car buying made simple. That's what Alt Infinity is all about. No stress, no hassle, no nonsense. Just fun and easy and rewarding experience that will put you behind the wheel of a fabulous new or used Infinity. Expert sales staff, superior service, and the largest selection in Ontario. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's what makes Alt Infinity the captain's choice. Alt Infinity, Woodbridge.com, at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Striving to inspire you at every turn. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. The security business is easy, right? Anyone can learn it. Perhaps they can learn it on duty with your valuables at stake. Perhaps they can learn it in a crisis situation that requires an immediate intelligent response when lives are at risk. After all, what harm can a few mistakes make? Plenty. When it comes to security for your business or office, an experienced partner like Regal Security makes sense. Security is what they do. Peace of mind is what they provide. Visit them online at regalsecurity.ca and find out how much they know, not how much they can learn. Are they ever wrong about sports? I can answer that in two words. Impossible. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. In studio with us this morning is former Raptors coach, um, of course, Butch Carter. Um, once again, thanks again for joining us, Butch. Uh, we were hoping to have Sean Clement on the air this morning. We're having some technical difficulties getting hold of him. And uh, over the break, Naz, uh, you were you were chatting about uh, Blue Jays matter that you wanted to have discussion with Butch about. <laughs> yeah, here, here you go, Butch. Yeah, so uh, that's that's my lead-in, Naz. So uh, let let Butch have it. Go ahead. I see Mark Shapiro and Colangelo being the same type of person coming in to the Blue Jays. Do you see that? Well, it's the, the far, as far as the hiring process, it's yes. probably similar. Yeah. Right? The hiring process is you have an inexperienced ownership group, and they're making a change. And uh, because they belong to this private club, they have to go in and call the godfather and say, okay, would you mind giving us two or three names for us to talk to? So Shapiro was on that list. Colangelo was on that list uh, in the NBA. And, uh, you know, it's, it's end up being the same result, right? So Shapiro's going to come in, and we're going to have the same press conference that we've had for how many of these guys the last 15 years, right? So... Um, well, what would you expect them to say anything different, Butch? They all come in and they're all got, they all have to be politically correct. They're all going to hit the same buzzwords, the same business cliches. Why would you expect them to say anything different? Well, the the reality is that um, Shapiro would be better off if he just told the truth. Right? That would be a breath of fresh air. Well, and, uh, I, that's one thing Anthopolis has done. He has told the truth. Well, the, the, because the, real, the reality is that Canadians as fans, 
are very forgiving if you tell them the truth. All right. And they're not very forgiving if you lead them astray. The problem is management from all sports has been terrible at the spin part. So, you know, they're not good at covering ass and, uh, and then it leads everyone down the wrong direction. And then you've got an executive. And that's why I say that uh, our prior GM was very lucky to get out of here. Because before they start spinning the wrong stuff, um, you know, Ed Rogers, he's got stock in the company or whatever and has a position there. So, you know, why is he saying anything? All right? It's it's not for him to say he's done what he's done. And... Um, He's, well, he, he's trying to take the heat off Shapiro, I think, is what he's trying to do. Well, Shapiro can take the heat. If he wants to take the heat off yeah. Shapiro, give him enough money to sign David Price, all right, and another pitcher. Estrada. Estrada. Yeah, uh, and we talked, we chatted about that. I don't I don't think they're going to sign David Price. To, uh, it, it, it's not Shapiro's modus operandi. I mean, we talked about it earlier. He let, he let two Cy Young Award winners go from Cleveland, Sabathia and Cliff Lee, to throw thirty million dollars at price, can you see that happening? Is that just is that just a PR move, Butch? Well, the, the issue then the day is: does he have? Are they going to give him the money to for him? And he, he's got to deal with Gibbons first, right? And that's a huge problem. Whatever he's going to do <laughs> with I'm, Gibbons, right? So I, I imagine if he's going to shoot Gibby in a year, he might as well shoot him now. Might as well shoot, right? are, are we have the same opinion that neither one of us believes that Shapiro really wants Gibby around. Well, the, the reality is that I've never thought Gibby was a, a, a good manager, a technical manager. Uh, I think the only reason we went five games with Texas is because he didn't take out a left-hand reliever and let him pitch to an extra batter who was right-handed, and then he, then the, the guy tears his thigh up because he can't run. So, you know, you put together a protocol for how you're going to get through the end of the game, and then you broke your own protocol. And so now we're down 0-2. We never should have been down 0-2. We should have won that game going to Texas 1-1. And then that screws up your whole rotation coming back for the next series. Well, what's going to happen is Terry Francona is in the wings because he has an opt-out this year. And and that that's with uh, Shapiro moving on. He has the opt-out to go, go elsewhere. So yeah. it is possible that Gibby is out and Francona, ter- uh, Francona will so be in. You're, you're thinking Gibby's going to be out as soon as something goes wrong during the season? It just it'd be a P- Would it be a PR nightmare for the Jays to can him now? The issue is that Shapiro needs to do what he's going to do. He's better off telling us the truth. Yeah, but I, I'm sure he's been reading the tea leaves of what happened in Toronto in the, in, since uh, since uh, Anthopolis left. I mean, there's not a lot of happy fans in Toronto, so I'd, I don't think he wants to throw kerosene on the fire tomorrow when he does his press conference. So, Look, guys, Gibby doesn't bat or pitch. Okay. All right? He's had two stints here, all right? in which he's proven, all right, not to be a very technical coach, in my opinion. That's strictly my opinion, all right? And I go back to, you know, game two in the Rangers series. Uh, But at the end of the day, um, Shapiro's got to have – he's got to do what he needs to do. And uh, I I don't care about Francona. The issue at the end of the day is uh, where, where do you stand with your free agents and where do you stand with their agents? Because, see, it's, we're thinking Price, but the reality is, does Price's agent have an agreement already done somewhere else where he's got some other players, right? Because you get, you get the, everybody forgets the bundling effect, all right? So we had to bundle and sign a couple players to get the player we wanted in Toronto when I coached here. So the agent may have that going on. So Shapiro needs to cut to the chase with the agent and find out exactly what the number is. 
and make the phone call to the board on the Rogers side and said, this is what it's going to take. Are we in or out? Your point is well taken. You know that they extended R.A. Dickey, right? And R.A. Dickey and David Price have the same agent. I'm just looking into it. If that's the case, there is a possibility that Price is here. Well, it's, it's, it's just a fact that agents bundle their players together. And so, you know, you kiss my ring here, I kiss your ring. It's just a reality, human nature reality. And now it's easy. So if, if Price is saying yes, he's open to Toronto, but that would mean Shapiro would have to get his, get his new manager and go sit with Price and convince Price that, okay, you guys have enough experience. Because wherever David pitches, he's, the money's going to be the same, right? So he, it's got to be the relationship. It looked like he thoroughly enjoyed Toronto. Uh, it's and it looks like his parents enjoyed being here in Toronto. So if you can get a player that's comfortable in this market and and like the environment that was created, um, I think it would go go a long way. But by telling Shapiro that I think the Blue Jays were tenth in the league in payroll, that they could go to you know four or five to sign the right sign the right players, I didn't understand. I did not understand taking Dickey from the Mets, but he does eat up innings. Yeah. All right. Birdie's gone because he, I think he's finished. Well, I mean, the, the reality at the end of the day, someone has to eat up innings. You know, you, you need a good staff. And, uh, you know, we've seen that the last 40 games and how it works. You know, do we want to be the next Kansas City Royals? That's that's what has to be decided. Really quickly, Butch, I have to, I want to go back to a comment you 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 you've, you've raised this probably about three or four times on this show. You keep using the phrase "inexperienced ownership group." Yeah. Okay. Now, t- tell me what you mean by that, and tell me why it makes a difference. Like, isn't the ownership they just got to hire a president and then the president? What difference does it make that the ownership group is experienced? Well, from the standpoint of that, athletes do things physically and morally different than other people. All right, okay. they do. So I, as an example, I went to Indian University and everything was strictly in a box. We had Bobby Knight, didn't you? Right. And I go to, I get drafted by the Lakers and the first game, uh, three or four bins of popcorn come in and those guys are eating popcorn and and playing their music. <laughs> Right, so, was, so was magic there at the time. Magic was magic, there at the he was, time. He's probably yeah. the ringleader. But yeah. but the but the reality was that they were so talented they could overcome everything. Yeah. So what happens is all owners who buy a franchise, all right, have no experience around the skill level, the morality or immorality of professional athletes, and most of the time they get it wrong because they've lived their life in a box. Athletes don't live in a box for the most part. And uh, it's a struggle for him. The owner of Cleveland, there's a very good article that he said, he absolutely has gotten it wrong. It's taken him, you know, eight or ten years just to try to figure out what the right thing to do. And he got on a plane and made a deal with LeBron. Butch, we we only have a minute left. i got to ask you this question because I just got a text from a loyal listener by the name of uh, Dominic Fuda. says he loved uh, your interview this morning and he wants to know why you're not coaching in the NBA. Well, I'm not coaching probably because Richard Petty told the world that I try to take Glenn Grunwald's job. So if you have, you know. That's that's almost 15 years ago. It's almost 15 years ago. If you were offered a job in the NBA, would you pursue it? Um, That's a good question. I I love working with young people about basketball. At this point in my life, 
I'd probably prefer to work a D-League job if I was just going to coach a farm system job and teach the kids the right way to play when they go up. I think you're being politically correct. I think, I think you'd love to coach in the NBA again. The issue is, can I coach in the NBA? Oh, the, you can. The, the math no has, for, in my mind, the math has not changed, right? No one else has figured out that there is a mathematical model to win games in the NBA. And then on top of that, they have allowed themselves this breath of, okay. I, I apologize, uh, Butch, but uh, we've got to wrap this up, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And all that means is we run out of time, and we, but we haven't run out of things we want to talk to you about. So we're certainly going to extend an invitation to have you back in the near future. Certainly when you get your Canadian Basketball League off the ground the next month, we'd certainly love to have you back in, and we'd love to pursue this last line of uh, conversation. We always we always enjoy having you here, Butch, and we always appreciate you taking the time for us. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you. And to all our listeners, have a fantastic week. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.